So these are where the questions come from. This yeah. is where it stems from. That's what makes it fun. I mean, it's worth it to not get caught for murder. Welcome back to Creepy Campfire, your source for all things strange, the unexplainable, the infamous, and the mysterious. Here are your hosts, Jordan and Ryan. Hi, everybody. It's Ryan. Uh, Just opening this one up with a little bit of a disclaimer. Um, We're talking about the occult um, and specifically uh, how the occult relates from the Christian perspective on this episode. Um, I just wanted to make that abundantly clear because we recognize that people from all faiths and backgrounds do listen to the show and we welcome that. We want you to continue to do that. but I, I wanted to make it clear what perspective we were coming from and where our guest was coming from before uh, we dive in because we get into some dicey subjects. Um, and again, I just wanted to reiterate, we're not um, discounting anyone else's beliefs, not shaming anyone else's beliefs, uh, but we're just simply coming at it from uh, my and my guest's point of view because we are the the Christians in the show this episode uh, and Jordan is not of the faith, and I just wanted to make all those things clear before we got in, give you a little bit of a disclaimer. Uh, Because we are talking about the occult and um, some potentially dangerous things, um, our guest uh, offered to to do a prayer for us and our audience um, for protection. So if you want to to listen and maybe join into that, that's after the closing, so listen to the stay toasty as usual, and then you're going to hear hear the little prayer at the end. So, um, But if you don't, if you're, you don't subscribe to that, don't want any of that, once we do our usual sign-off of stay toasty, you can just close out the episode. But thanks, everyone, for listening. I really hope you enjoyed this. We had a lot of fun doing it. Uh, so enjoy. Welcome back to the Creepy Campfire Podcast. I'm Ryan. And I'm Jordan. Jordan, how how you been? We're going to keep the intros abbreviated because we have a surprise for everybody. Yeah. But how you been? Keep it a little shorter today. Uh, I've been well. Just been uh, doing some last minute Christmas shopping and getting uh, food food all taken care of uh, for this weekend. That's get together a, with you guys. I always forget the food part. I'm like, yeah, presents. Oh, I've been good on that. Oh, there's dinners and We, we don't food. have to eat, right? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, I've been good. Same old, same old. Not just real ready for Christmas, but not ready for it to go away. Because this, this month is flying by. Yeah. But we have a guest, and he's our first virtual guest, and I'm very excited about it. Um, he is my wife and I's spiritual mentor and very close friend. Uh, we have Pastor Joshua Machola on with us today. Welcome on, PJ. What up, fellas? I'm glad to be here, man. Super stoked to be here uh, all the way from the Austin area of Texas. That's right. From Glad Al- to have you. Austin to Sacramento. We're bridging gaps. That's right. Right. I think we have more guns, but you guys might give us a run for our money in Sacramento. <laughs> well, we just will pass out the free weed, and then <laughs> you know everyone <laughs> will forget their problems. Then we won't need the guns. <laughs> yeah, we're not we're not far from that here. I think. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. Well, how you been? We've talked about us, but how you been? Oh, good, man. We just, uh, same thing like you said, man, just so much food for Christmas, so much uh, just um, just getting ready and, and, and buying food and eating food. We just did family sushi night with everybody, and so um, it's, been, it's been crazy, man, so we're Did good. you make the sushi, or did you order it? Made it, man, so we- a few years ago, I started learning how to make sushi. Now, granted, I say that, and I just need to 
put a disclaimer out there. This does not look pretty, um, <laughs> but it won't kill you. So, I mean, with every downside, there's an upside. So, uh, my family's still alive. Nobody's got worms that we know of yet. So, well, um, yeah, no, it's it's good, man. It's fun to do every once in a while, but like you guys might see me on FaceTime just picking rice off my shirt because <laughs> you just get covered in rice. It's ridiculous, but yeah, man, we're I'm gonna do a brisket for the first time this week. Uh, oh. figure we're in Texas for Christmas, so let's do a Texas Christmas and there you smoke go, smoke a brisket all night. So yeah, dude, we're doing good over here. Right uh, heck yeah, man. I know we came out not too long ago to see you. Austin was really pretty. We can't wait to go back out and spend more time on you especially with your in your in your new home but wait till all this covid crap's over with yeah 2021 you guys just come over here man you guys quarantine with us and you know well two weeks in austin doesn't sound that bad dude it's not except for the fact that all the restaurants are like takeout so you don't get like the full experience yeah because that's what you do here you listen to music you get tattoos you smoke some weed and you eat some food. Eat well, barbecue. I'm definitely here for the the food and the tattoos part. I I got a half sleeve begging to be filled out. Yeah. So there you go, buddy. But yeah, you'll get there. Well, before we get any farther, I think we should tell people what we're talking about today. Yeah, we are talking about the occult, just kind of in general the practices. This is going to be more of a, a discussion episode. Um, kind of like our, our Bigfoot and ghost episodes, if you've you've heard those already. Um, Tuning in. It'll be like that. Um, but I got the idea because I was I was talking with, um, you might hear me call him PJ, Pastor Josh. That's what's what, what that is. Uh, but, but Pastor Josh, he uh, was telling me how he had an interest in the occult at some point and looked into things. But I wanted to have him on and, and talk because he's got a lot more of a spiritual knowledge knowledgeable perspective than I do, um, being that he is a spiritual mentor of mine. Um, so PJ, why don't you tell the people a little bit of your background in ministry and, and your, your expertise? Uh, so yeah, I've, I've been a pastor for, holy cow, uh, a long time. Um, I want to say like over 15 years now. Wow. Um, for all those years, I haven't served completely in a ministerial role, if you will, but I've been licensed and, and ordained with, um, you know, some evangelical uh, groups during that time. Um, went to Bible college, uh, graduated Bible college in 2004, and just have served in ministry positions. Um, I don't want to say all over, mainly the Bay Area in California and here in Texas, uh, in West Texas, and now in Central Texas. Um, we were in Oklahoma for a little bit as, as lead pastors at a church out there, and we planted a church in Elk Grove, California. And so um, not just being in ministry for that amount of time, but also being a pastor's kid. So both my parents were uh, pastors, and I grew up in the church. And so as they say, I'm a PK, um, or I was born on the pew, as they say. So <laughs> Yeah, man, I, I just come from like a really religious background. Um, and that's not to say that I'm a really religious person. Um, I'm a faith-filled person mm-hmm. um, as opposed to the, the I guess, the adjectives or the connotations that come up with somebody says, oh, I'm a religious person. Um, so, yeah, I'm, I'm a faith-filled person. So Right, right. But that service, it's in your blood, eh? 
Yeah, man. It's, it's, you know, I, I served, my dad's still a pastor. One of my brothers was a pastor for a little bit. Oh, wow. Um, so yeah, it's, it's definitely kind of a, a lineage or a legacy thing a little bit, mm-hmm. but, um, yeah, it's, it's, it's come down through the generations a bit. But I, I think I need to make it a little clear that he is not, when you look at PJ, pastor might not be the first thing that comes to mind. <laughs> no, thank God. Uh, there's there's no faux hawks or fake boots here. Faux hawks? <laughs> it's, what pastors are we? Yeah. Oh, oh, all the new ones, sir. All oh, the no. new ones. Yeah. Uh, well, I think it's. I think the faux hawk got traded in for like a Carhartt beanie. Oh, okay, um, that's true. Yeah, but you got to have it I'm rolled def- up to look almost like a slightly unrolled condom on top of your oh, head. Oh, jeez. <laughs> yes, and I will be the first to admit that I had that phase, and it's somewhere in my closet. But it was. I, I did it before it was kind of cool, and all the worship pastors did it. But no, I'm six eight, four hundred pounds. I am tattooed from the neck down, and. I uh, I make no apologies for how I look with my gauged ears and my attitude and um, you know mouth that might make your blood your your mother blush but but I love it because I feel like that is going to draw a lot more people in that are like oh that's not the group for me and it's like no you you don't understand this is more than about being part of a group yeah exactly you know what I crave and what I think a lot of people crave is authenticity yeah and so I grew up in a home where my dad has been in ministry for 30 somewhat years and my family was super staunch Italians uh, religious Italians and not the Catholic kind the Christian kind and so um, like you'd hear people cuss and it would be hilarious and it'd be funny (laughs) but it's like we'd never say it outside and so that to me just I grew up in more of a um, inauthentic atmosphere. Mm-hmm. The love was authentic, but the the reality inside the home versus the reality outside the home was a lot different. And so I just I kind of vowed not to do that. Now I don't go around um, cussing like a sailor at Walmart or Target. Um, if you drive with me, maybe. But um, <laughs> road rage. You know, I try I try to be honest and authentic about who I am without putting unnecessary roadblocks for my ability to speak into somebody's life. Um, Cause I don't need to kneecap myself for the gospel by presenting it in a way that's going to be offensive to people. But I just want to be honest about who I am as well. Definitely, definitely makes you more relatable than uh, sticking with the status quo. I would hope so. And I don't do it for that, <laughs> but I, I, I do it because we live in a world, especially so politicized right now with mm-hmm. everything going on that, people are tired of the facades and the fakes. Like I grew Mm -hmm. up in church and if you were a pastor, your hair was perfect. I mean, there was not one strand out of place. You were, uh, you were your Sunday best. Yeah. You were in a suit and tie. And there's an aspect I grew up understanding of like, Hey, you respect the house of God. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. But because I wear jeans and a t-shirt and a hat doesn't mean that I disrespect the house of God or my relationship with God. And so I would rather have somebody look real than have somebody who looks like Superman and go, you're just not real, dude. Like, it's, yeah. you're coming off as a car salesman. <laughs> well, it doesn't matter how you're dressed when you're praying, right? Exactly. <laughs> maybe, just, maybe just not the birthday suit. <laughs> I don't know. David did it. <laughs> I haven't I haven't hit my David prayer prayer body yet, so <laughs> waiting for that day to hit. I yeah, I'm all, still, especially after COVID, I think we're all going to be waiting for that day to hit. <laughs> I'm still trying to hit keto, so we'll we'll see what happens. 
Hey. Oh, you don't need keto. Pizza's supposed to have real crust, not that cauliflower stuff. <laughs> There's not a chance in hell I do keto. No, no. Bread is so good. So getting into the occult here, before we start, I wanted PJ to tell his background because he asked me to emphasize this, and I want to emphasize this, that we are not trying to portray him as an occult expert, but he has an expertise still in Christianity, and I wanted to hear the occult from his perspective diving into it. But I wanted to make it clear he is not an occult expert. He's not sitting in the closet with his Ouija board every other day. But but you have devoted some time to the studies? So, I, you know, I've gone down the rabbit hole, as they say. Yeah. So I've, I've read some particular books. I've done some study and, and um, things that I think are probably out of the realm of normal interest for, for everyday people. And so because of my background and because of my beliefs and because of my profession, um, I find myself a little bit more intrigued about it and a little bit more studious on the topic. But definitely not somebody who's going to quote you, hey, in the 13th century, there was a ghost (laughs) named Bill. And, you know, that's just not who I am. But I'm very much aware that there are things that we don't know that are afoot, as they say. Mm -hmm. and. We have a choice to live in reality or an ignorant reality. And so I like to try and bridge that gap a little bit. And I think that's a big thing behind our whole podcast is there's there's some stuff going on. We don't really know what it is. We might sit here and crack jokes about it for an hour. But at the end of the day, there's some weird things that happen that we can't explain. And it's always fun to think about something that's uh, potentially bigger than yourself. You know, just uh, Mm -hmm. something unexplainable in that way. Yeah. Absolutely. Oh, and you take six months ago when they finally came out with, you know, uh, government footage of UFOs. Mm-hmm. You've got people who now for years were saying that there was UFOs and people going, well, you're just a nut job. Yeah. And now it's like the government's, oh, yeah, here's file A1374 from 1986 when we had, you know, first contact. So, mm-hmm. you know, it's just you take everything with a grain of salt because who knows the reality our kids are going to grow up in that completely different from ours because of you know information that comes out right right so let's let's talk about what brought each of us down the rabbit hole or if we even went down it jordan i'll start with you Did, have you ever prior to us doing the podcast any any interest in the cult or anything like that um i guess i haven't necessarily known how to define that term specifically mm-hmm. it's very broad yeah um and I haven't known what all is encompassed by it besides the fact that there's, I mean, spirituality is involved and that there is some good and some bad, at least as far as the way it's looked at. Mm-hmm. Um, but again, as far as specifics, I've never really uh, delved into it myself. Okay. Okay. But uh, what about what about you? It's one of those things, I mean, I've had a, I'll just call it a ghostly encounter. I don't know what it was. I don't want to define it too hard uh but i always thought that there were just weird things that weren't explainable and it's like i want to hear about the ghost hunt but i don't want to go do it myself because that just doesn't sound safe yeah uh but to have that knowledge yeah right it just it seemed like something else is there can't put my finger on it i'd like to know without having to be face to face but i mean it's like ghost hunting or or something of that uh nature still is that under the umbrella of the occult or uh 
at least I don't think I define it as that, but maybe some of the methods you might go about trying to specifically talk to the dead mm-hmm. would be classified as a cult. Okay. So like trying to spirit talk, Ouija board, that kind of uh, seances. That's what I'm like trying to figure out. Is it like, is it specific actions? Is it more of like a state of mind? Is it, uh, I mean, I'm sure it's, it can be all of those things. Right. PJ, correct me if I'm wrong, but f- my understanding is with the, the occult can be kind of defined as trying to contact, have contact with the dead. Uh, so yes and no, because the, the idea, at least in my opinion, the idea of the occult is an umbrella term around an organization, right? Um, so a cult deals in the occult. Right. Um, and so what you guys are talking about are more of like the nuances of a cult. Um, so you have like the cult that just got busted for, you know, uh, um, what was it? Uh, they were peddling kids around to, to, to pedos all over the world. Uh. The, the XYZ cult or whatever it was called um, mm-hmm. that had the chick from Smallville on there. Um, so y- you have you have cults like that. You have. Um, the idea of cult, not to try and um, get too crazy about it, but the idea of the cult is up to kind of the believer. Like there's a TikTok trend right now that talks about, you know, what what's a cult, but isn't considered a cult. And mm-hmm. people are like jumping on that bandwagon and they're doing stuff about like uh, football teams or they're doing things about like Jeep owners was one I saw. And so cult has become this word that some people even use for evangelical Christians and some mm. people use for sex, uh, sex as in S E C T S, not the, um, <laughs> the body or, or the gender identity, but, um, mm. people are, are, are using that as a term for like, there's assemblies of God, which is Pentecostal. And there's a sect of Pentecostals that play with snakes. And they believe that if God's with you, oh, you yes. won't get bit. And there's been documentaries and, you know, growing up assemblies of God, that was, uh, we didn't handle snakes. I hate snakes. I'm afraid <laughs> of snakes. I'm not, you know. And so the idea of a cult umbrella can be given to any term or any group that somebody defines as, um, I guess, appropriate word would be evangelical or like all in fanatical um, about their belief system. So for Christians, um, you know, you'd say an occult would be uh, a Satanist group. That would be an occult that practiced magics or or Wiccan. And the idea from a Christian perspective is, or a biblical perspective, is anybody that worships anything other than God. So somebody's worshiping, um, you know, uh, <clears throat> Buddha or anything like that. Like we'll call them religions, but there will be smaller sects that it will believe in occultic magic. Overall, the occult ideology is really geared towards Satanism mainstream-wise. But again, people will still use that term to refer to anything they find is fanatical or mm-hmm. um, people that are kind of all in and do creepy, weird things. Like people would say that about Pentecostals mm-hmm. that speak in tongues because it's a whole different babbling language mm-hmm. and you sound like a drunk idiot. I mean, that's directly from the Bible. People thought people speaking in tongues in Acts chapter 2 sounded like drunk morons in the morning versus people today who still think those are creepy people who sound hallucinogenic and are in a cult. Okay. And it sounds very I, I, idolatric, if that's the word. Um, 
but there's there's some kind of idol involved in it somewhere whether it's satan whether it is um there, there's there's some general idea that they're idolizing well i mean that's that's what it would be right is in an occult occult practices are worship of whatever their deity is yeah so they would be they would be looking at you know satan or buddha or whatever and making sacrifices or doing things like that or that nature that somebody on the outside would go well that's really fanatical that's really kind of crazy um so yeah definitely so what what sent you down the rabbit hole of interest to start with uh honestly there's a lot in the word that talks about the spiritual realm uh you know there's a spiritual realm that a lot of people just don't want to acknowledge because to acknowledge it means to say that you buy into a deeper level of your faith um, because faith on uh, you know people like to wear a facade of faith like I have faith until the going gets harder I have faith until it requires me to believe something that I'm a little bit uncomfortable believing or really don't know how to believe in mm-hmm. and rather than doing study and rather than doing research people will just kind of go hmm, yeah I'm, I'm, I'm faithful I'm not faith filled Meaning, you know, I'll take it. I'll take it as much as I'm comfortable with. So, um, you know, I think the big thing is uh, just this this reality that, <clears throat> from my background and my beliefs, that there's an enemy out there that the Bible says is roar, uh, you know, wandering around like a lion, looking mm-hmm. to devour us. And there's an attack that's going to come, not in the form of getting mugged on the street, but uh, against your your heart, your mind, your body, your soul, um, and your spirit. And so realizing that, <laughs> and in all honesty, I think it probably picked it up from movies more than anything, was the reality that um, know thy enemy, right? Yeah. If if you know that somebody's going to be there out and attacking you and trying to go after you, know thy enemy to see how they're going to be doing that or, or what avenues that they do. And and that's not to say, hey, join a cult and be, you know, undercover spy, but that's to say, hey, you know, know your enemy, know how they come at you, know how they're they're predispositioned to come at you. Just like every great fighter watches mm-hmm. film of his opponent, just like I, you know, play college football and we'd have film days. We'd go in and we'd watch the opponent and uh, figure out, you know, what side he leans to a little bit more and how to block that, and how to keep him from getting to the QB. So for me, it just became more of a ability to understand the enemy so that I could help teach others and myself to be a little bit more guarded and successful in warding off those attacks. Yeah, know how to, how to know how to protect yourself. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I, I think when I was younger, I just had a curiosity about this weird stuff that was a lot of times popping up in culture, movies, shows, that stuff. But as I've gotten older which I, I've never was like a scary movie person, but you, you see it, you see the trailers, you see the posters, everyone loves it. And the older I've gotten, the more I've, I'm learning that, yeah, it, like you're saying, it's a tool used against you and wanting to know more so I can have a better defense. So when you had shared that with me, I'm like, oh, we gotta, we gotta get him on, get him talking <laughs> about this. <laughs> so, cool. So, I mean, so, I mean, we've, we covered like a lot of the negative connotation I feel like around what cults are like cults and the occult means. Mm-hmm. Um, but what, so obviously there must've been a positive side for you to look into as well. I mean, 
having been you're looking for things to protect yourself with is there like a spiritual side to that as well well yeah um so the bible tells us in ephesians that our fight isn't against flesh and blood it's against the 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 dark principalities of this world and so the bible gives you um you know basic tools like the armor of god that will help protect yourself and a lot of that if you look through the armor of god a lot of that is lifestyle living so it's 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 uh, the blessed plate of, a breastplate of righteousness, living in right standing with God, meaning living in right ac- action according to what the Word of God says, mm-hmm. protects you from the enemy coming at you and trying to get you to commit sin or or to fall into traps of sin. You know, uh, the belt of truth kind of holds everything together, right? So as long as we understand our truth and we're holding on to it. So a- as far as the study goes. Yeah, you kind of develop these understandings of how the enemy comes at you and what your weaknesses are. Those are going to vary person by person. But when you understand how he exploits weaknesses, how he did in the Bible, how he does in, you know, you see it done in occultic practices, you learn to watch yourself. Because, you know, going back to the whole movie thing, uh, there's kind of a light bulb moment for me in Saving Private Ryan where they had people on set who were uh, literally there, I believe the Saving Private Ryan is all about Mm D-Day and storming the uh, beaches of Normandy. And so they had guys who actually survived D-Day there to make sure that it looked incredibly real and authentic as they were filming it and shooting it. And then that kind of led to a train of thought of like, well, what about occult movies? And as I started to dive deeper, I found out that they were hiring witches and warlocks to warlock being a male uh, witch um, to bring validity or authenticity to movies that dealt with the occult and one that comes into mind as um, I think there was one it's like Seventh Day or something like that and Arnold Schwarzenegger was in it it's like way back in the day and um, you know there's this scene where this lady has a baby and it's supposed to be what Satan is supposed to come in the new flesh is like the the um, um, uh, the bad guy. My mind's going blank right now. The bad guy <laughs> in the Bible that shows up at the end, you know. Uh, and there's this whole scene where they killed a snake and had uh, satanic imagery and symbols all the all the way around the baby, and they were chanting. And you start to go to, okay, are those authentic rituals that we're watching on screen? Because they're using. Um, witches and and actual occult people in -hmm. the production of the film to create authenticity and realness Mm. bring that perspective in and then i i wonder when you are watching something like that especially when it's been taken to that level of authenticity at what point like you're watching a movie but when do you become an uh, actual witness and partner in it just by watching even unknowingly you know i don't think you become a partner in it but I think it's far more dangerous than that because nobody would go to a movie about the occult and be like, hey, sign me up. You know what I mean? Like that yeah. would be like the army commercials you see <laughs> on TV during the news that are like, hey, join the army. It'll be the greatest adventure. Well, you know, those movies would if that was the case, those movies would be like, hey, join Satanism or join whatever occult this is about. Mm-hmm. It's awesome. Um, They'd be a lot more effective potentially. Yeah, exactly. But the reality I believe is that it opens up a door yeah. and people unwillingly or unwittingly, I should say 
go see those things as a form of entertainment, but those are opening up doors. Sometimes they'll open up questions and people will go down a rabbit hole like you know some of us have and they're not at a place where they're able to define the truth, meaning understanding what God's word says and understanding what the nefarious you know, tactics or strategy of the enemy is. And so people that don't realize that their soul is at stake might go to that, open up a door, get intrigued about it and start running down an occult uh, rabbit hole that leads them into some dangerous waters and potentially brings them into a place where they're now involved in the occult. Right. Yeah. Man. So, um, so I mean, it's like, is the occult technically, is it considered like a bad thing within the Christian community? Has it... Is it, is it always frowned upon or is or is it that you do take some of the good with the bad? Is it not really talked about at all? So from a Christian perspective, anything outside the worship of God is bad. Um, and that's a very blanket statement that probably needs a lot of defining, which is outside the scope of what we're talking about today. But mm-hmm. the reality is, is, is gluten's not bad. It's not from the devil. Um, <laughs> you know, if, if you're vegan... You know, you're not worshiping vegetables, and so you're not in a cult. So I think people have a negative connotation already of Christians saying yeah. that anything that's not of God is bad. But the reality is anything that is us worshiping something. Some people worship money, the love of money. It's what drives them. It's what they love. It's what they do. They forsake everything else. That's a God in itself. That's a part of an occult. And you can define things that people who love money and are, are obsessed with money do. I mean, they're constantly working, constantly pushing, constantly doing, you know, in some cases, destructive behavior that are not good for themselves or others around them or loved ones. So to say that there's any good thing in the occult is hard. Um, it's hard because when we're talking about the reality of people worshiping anything other than God, um, it's not a good thing, um, in my opinion and through my beliefs and my background. But um, so it can lead you to it, false idols, right? I mean, say that again. Because it can lead you to false idols, technically. I mean, all yeah. it takes is that being relatable enough. But can I, if I'm totally honest, so can religion. There's mm-hmm. enough Christians out there who are not serving God, but call themselves Christians, and they worship the tradition of the church. They don't worship God. They're all about religion, and religion itself can be a cult. And there's yeah. a big push in the Christian church today, specifically about people pushing back against the religious spirit. And that spirit is what I was, what I grew up in, where it was like, listen, man, you didn't, you talked a certain way, you act a certain way, you did certain things and you never did anything else. And even though people were doing those things behind closed doors, you always told people you weren't. So everybody was wearing a mask at church and living in this religious spirit where my walk with God is based on how I act and how I live. So you could have no prayer time, no devotion time, no, no connection with God. But if you acted a certain way and told people you're Christian, you were accepted that way. There's Mm -hmm. no fruit in your life whatsoever. So there's, there's a lot to that. Yeah. Yeah. And I think at least specifically on the bad portion of that, like, is it labeled bad? I'm not as well versed to be able to call the verses out off the top of my head, but I do know that there is somewhere biblically that people who are Christians are called to respect people of other faiths and beliefs 
that doesn't mean you join in with them. Mm -hmm. Like if it's something that I believe is going to lead me down a path God doesn't want me to go down, I'm going to label it as bad, but that just means I'm I'm not active. I'm not going to participate in that. I'm not giving any of myself to that. You're not subscribing. Right. Yeah. Doesn't mean I'm going to like go and like light a bonfire in the middle of the street and have a big thing about it. That's where the extremism comes in. Yeah. Right. But. Absolutely. I mean, one of, one of the hot button issues uh, about that very thing is the idea of, of gay marriage. And I'm not trying to jump into that topic or anything like that. But there's there's pastors who are absolutely allies to LGBTQ community who mm-hmm. love them and want the best for them. But that's not something or a line that they're willing to cross to support them because it takes them into a whole nother realm of of you know, denying God in certain aspects and things of that nature. So there's, mm-hmm. there's definitely that kind of yin yang, you know, not to use you know, a, a totally different religion. <laughs> crossing all the lines. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, I was wondering, so I don't know if you'll be able to attest to it or if you even have like an opinion on it, but, uh, what, like what's the difference between maybe like an, an occult practice such as using like a Ouija board as opposed to an accepted religious practice such as like a prophecy or like prayer or prayer. Um, so again, it all comes from the, the practice of what do you believe in, right? So prayer or prophecy, which that's a great one to bring up prophecy is a really, it's, we believe that prophecy is a word given to, um, uh, somebody who hears the, the voice of the Lord for somebody else. There's been moments in my time in ministry where I prophesied to somebody and I've called out what's called the word of knowledge where God gave me something that I knew immediately about them and was able to speak to it. And it totally opened them up to healing and, 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 and brought them to um, just a breaking point that allowed God to come in and kind of heal them. When you look at Ouija boards, um, people who believe in, contacting spirits and and reaching out to spirits um they believe that that's a tool that they can use just like prayer so Mm -hmm. when you look at it from a christian perspective prayer is a lot like using the ouija board except for the fact that as a christian we're praying to god and we believe that because of the death and resurrection of jesus christ we have the ability to go straight to god and speak to god Whereas in Christianity, we believe that a Ouija board, again, is like what we talked about with the movies. You're opening yourself up to uh, a, a spiritual door in your life that we believe that unhealthy and evil spirits called demons can access your life and your psyche and 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 just create havoc. And I've seen that personally in, in people that I've ministered to before, whereas people who use a Ouija board because they believe that it's a gateway to let them communicate with people uh, in the dead or people that are dead, they believe that it's a tool, just like a screwdriver mm-hmm. in my garage. And so it really depends on where you're coming at it from. So as a Christian, as a pastor, I believe that Ouija boards are totally demonic. I think you're opening it up yourself to something that's completely has the power to destroy your life and take you down a path that you did not plan on because you got curious or because your friends were doing it or we kind of, it seems something goofy and silly to do when you're drinking at a Halloween party, you know, yeah. you're like um, actively unsettling the dead potentially. I mean, mm-hmm. so yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And, th- and, but that goes back to, to the reality as Christians, we believe that the dead are either in heaven or hell. 
Mm-hmm. So they're not accessible. Like you're you're not like you know you're not going to Hell's live YouTube channel to check people out of the dead. Like they're dead. So you're communicating with a spirit, but it's a demon at work on Earth trying to you know gain access to your life and get a foothold. Um, that's that's the perception from a Christian side. Yeah, I think the whole thing that in my adult life that spark like has brought me down this interest is i was reading from the bible about when uh saul was hunting down david when david was on the run and he was trying to kill him he had uh has people like hey call in the mediums we gotta we gotta have the mediums because i need to talk to to my mentor who's already dead and get some advice on where david's at and what to do and they actually it says in there that they had brought one in they had called him from the dead and when the spirit came up he was like what are you doing like what are you doing i'm not supposed to be here right now and the fact that my spiritual book that i'm supposed to guide my life by has a story like that in it i'm like oh i probably should know about this to be from from a defensive and um protective posture Mm mm-hmm but that's exactly like PJ says. I don't want to open any doors, like willingly or unwillingly, to lead to bad things happening. And I think it's important for that distinction between things like prophesying and prayer and, and hearing from God. They're all things that will, I don't want to just say benefit your life because then we're talking prosperity gospel, but like they're, they're going to be for your benefit ultimately. Well, yeah, it's like, it's like eating healthy. You know what I mean? Just because you're telling somebody, hey, you need to eat healthy because it's going to give you longevity and health and quality of life. It's not, it's not a prosperity gospel. That's like, hey, man, if you do A plus B and C, it's going to equal D, which is pretty freaking awesome. Yeah. yeah. And for I, I got to be careful not to get into Christianese. For anyone that doesn't know, prosperity gospel is uh, the guy on the television saying, hey, you uh, uh, let me pay for a prayer from me and then I'm going to pr- pray and you're going to win like get millions and millions of dollars somehow through the grace of God. That's yeah. that's what that is. Okay. So, okay. That's why I want to be careful not to do that because that's not cool. So to circle circle back, it, it kind of comes down to like your motivations uh and what you're and what you're doing. What Well, not necessarily your motivations cuz you could incorrect like you could be having good in intentions and do the wrong thing or a dangerous thing might be a better way to say it but it's more of what you're connecting with what that's doing for you Mm -hmm. god's not going to do anything negative towards you he's only going to do things for you to benefit you because he loves you yeah just like jordan was saying you know it, it is a point of view because the reality is 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 some people don't know the gospel and we're living in a post christian world where i grew up in a in a Christian world where everybody was believers and everybody grew up going to Sunday school and everybody grew up knowing the Bible and all this kind of stuff. Whereas now we're in a post-Christian world. So there's people out there that just don't know. So their frame of reference for a Ouija board and connecting the dead is literally the fact that it is in target in the board games aisle. And people are like, it's crazy that they're in, they're in target. I saw that like not too long ago. And I was like, they're just so like, I thought you had to go to like a specialized store for this kind of thing. No, it's a total, it's a total. I think they're owned by Hasbro. Yeah, mm. they're, they're owned by a, a, a large toy maker. And what's funny is in college, I had to do what was called a spiritual mapping um, 
uh, assignment. And it, and it was like a semester assignment for me and a group of students. And it, this was Bible college and it was our missions class. And basically the idea, and again, this kind of plays into why I started getting interested in the cult in the first place, was because um, you would go around to a certain area you were assigned to and you would uh, figure out what the strongholds of the enemy were there. So what strongholds were? Well, I went to Bible college in Santa Cruz, California, which every Halloween they have what's called the Witches Parade. Santa Cruz is also the birthplace of Anton LaVey, the head of the Satanic Church when he was alive. Um, it's uh, I went to a Bible college where there was literally times where students and my parents went to this Bible college as well. And they had same kind of stories where there was areas on campus where people in robes were spotted late at night um, chanting and doing seances. And you would go back the next day and you'd find animal sacrifices around campus. Wow. Because these were occult practices that they were praying against our Bible college for because they knew that the power of God was greater than the power of the enemy of, of Satan himself. And so they try and come against him in any way. So when we're doing this spiritual mapping project, we are in downtown Santa Cruz and we talked to um, a tarot card reader who is a, a Catholic lady who is a tarot card reader. And then we went to an actual occult shop in Santa Cruz. And it was the craziest thing. Cause I remember when I was a teenager watching, um, what was that movie back in the day? They just came out with a remake. It was all about a bunch of girl witches and they kind of have like a falling out, uh, the craft. I the think craft. it was. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. in the craft, they go into like this occult store, this this witch store, and this lady comes out from the back. And in the back, there's candles everywhere, and there's a pentagram on the floor. And as soon as she walks in, the candles light up. And literally, when I went into that store, um, they had sacrificial daggers, they had potions, and a lady came out of the back, and it looked almost exactly like what I had seen in the movie. <laughs> and she came out and had cat eyes, and... Um, um, I don't know if they were contacts or what, but literally her, the black parts of her eyes were uh, horizontal or vertical, not circular. Mm. And um, so, you know, you you have experiences like that and you see the, the, the reality that even those places, the, the legit places like that, don't carry Ouija boards. So there's a perspective in actual Wiccan or witch or occultist beliefs that kind of laugh at the Ouija board, but it's yeah. kind of like what they say about pot, right? It's a gateway drug into harder stuff. And so people start with Ouija boards, gets around, they feel a tingle and they're like, Oh, what was that? Let me, let me do some more, some more exploring there. And it leads to other things. Mm -hmm. Right. The gateway, the gateway practice, the gateway. <laughs> um, so where, where would you say, that religion, science, and the occult overlap? Uh, man, that's a really hard one. Um, I believe, so the church has persecuted science for a long time. I mean, it, uh, that goes back to the days of, you know, the Knights Templar and, and, and different things of that nature where, where science was looked at as the enemy, but the church was also the enemy because they were trying to amass power versus... Mm the belief of Jesus as our savior. And so, you know, I believe that science ultimately proves the existence of God. I believe we've seen more of that kind of research kind of come out in, in the last several years. 
Um, so I think there's a, a cross section there and I think there's, um, a, an overlap there, but yeah, you know, I, I think the idea that science helps us discover more about our bodies. And when we believe that God is our creator, like how miraculously are we made? How mm-hmm. infinitely wonderful and mysterious is the human body that was created by God? Uh, I, I don't believe for an instant that I am uh, at six eight and 400 pounds and as handsome as I am. I do not believe for an instant that I came <laughs> from goo. You know what I mean? And mm-hmm. this, this ideology um, that science continues to discover these amazing things about the human body, I think it all points back to a God that is the ultimate creator that we've ever seen. And I think the occult plays a part in that because, you know, when you go back to the story of Satan in the Bible, the reality is Satan wanted the glory. Satan wanted the, the, the attention. And so the occult in that says, you know, Hey, we're, we believe in evolution. We believe that, you know, we uh, automatically evolve like this. And we believe that, you know, we're just, we're, you know, in 70 years, 700 years, we're going to have a third hand on our back. We're going to be able to swing from trees because evolution, man. And I think they all kind of play this part where science is both defining the reality that God exists and created us in, in mysterious and wonderful ways, but also is used as a tool by the occult to explain that there is no need for God. There never was a God and there wasn't the existence of God because we just kind of amassed and crawled out of the primordial ooze, if you will. Mm-hmm. The soup. Right. So I know you touched on, um, on like the rituals and stuff like that that were done around your school when you were going in Santa Cruz, but have you had any other like negative experiences with the occult specifically or, or anybody in an occult? Yeah. Um, yeah, I have. Um, if you, if you care to, if you care to share. <laughs> no, absolutely, man. I planned on sharing stories with you guys about it. Cause I felt like that's what creepy campfire was. It's the reality of like these stories that exist. And mm-hmm. so but I the think people want to hear. Yeah. I'll, I'll touch on a couple. So like to, and I'll start like where I'm like removed from it. So like the furthest example of the cult I have is, um, a book called setting the captive Free by Dr. Rebecca Brown. And this is a firsthand story, uh, or account. And it's, it's part story, part toolbox for helping, uh, in spiritual warfare. And basically Dr. Rebecca Brown, um, walked with this lady who is the bride of Satan. And, um, not like Frankenstein's bride or anything that would probably come to mind from, from pop culture, um, you know, uh, thoughts or, or, or movies, but like legitimately a bride of Satan. And she goes into this book and recounts how on her wedding night with Satan, he came down and they were in a, um, they used to have black masses or, or, or different ceremonies in churches. They would rent out churches and have these ceremonies in there. And she recounted how when she was initiated as the bride of Satan, that she um, literally, Satan literally came down in physical form and raped her on an altar in front of um, this entire mass of people. Um, and she goes into not only that about um, how there are people who are kidnapped every single year and nine times out of 10, they are, um, 
people that are using satanic sacrifice or if the kids that you see missing on the Walmart billboards, they're most likely in a lot of cases, they are held in um, basically used as um, baby makers for satanic rituals because they believe that the blood of a baby is pure and un, it's like the most powerful source. And so they will keep these people drugged up, imprisoned. And this lady talks about her account there. She had talks about talking with Satan. Dr. Rebecca Bound is, is the lady that was working with her to get out there. They talk about astral projection. And these are stories that tie into things that I remember hearing growing up in church about missionaries who, um, you know, were in the field in a third world country and they never knew anything happened. And then years later, uh, I'm recounting this one story where years later, this guy came up and was like, hey, miss, I was in a, I was a guerrilla. Um, I, I was in a guerrilla ar army in this country that you were at. We went to go uh, kill you and your family because you were spreading the gospel and you were hurting our recruiting abilities. And when we showed up, the biggest men we'd ever seen were standing around your tent with swords. And in the same book, Rebecca Brown is talking about how they would astral project to go try and attack these Christians, but the Christians were surrounded by angelic beings. Um, so you have things like that where I've read, you've had uh, situations like what I was doing with the spiritual mapping. Um, the night that we uh, dealt with um, the, the occult store, I went back and I was writing my paper for that. And in the middle of the night, I remember... Literally, it was my dorm room. We had an entertainment center that kind of split the room. We left the blinds open because we're on like a second story. There's a light just outside of our room. So you could see everything fairly clearly um, at night. And I remember uh, laying facing the wall and all of a sudden having a, a that moment that people talk about that, that paralyzing fear just wash over your body and having that just come into the room and turn around and I looked and standing in front of my um, entertainment center was the silhouette of a man or a silhouette of a person. And it was a darkness that I had never seen before. So it was, you could see the shadows of everything in my room. You could see the shadow that the TV cast on the floor. And this silhouette was darker than anything else in the room. And it had such a depth to it that it felt like this, this, that sense of falling and never, never landing, just this, this, this never ending pit. And, um, finally I'll, I'll say this, when I was in ministry, I, um, got a word of knowledge for a young lady. I didn't know who it was, but we we're, we we're, we we're at a service and I, I stood up, I said, Hey, I have a knowledge, a word of knowledge. There's a woman here, or there's somebody here that's dealing with throat issues. I said, I don't know what the throat issue is, but somebody's dealing with it. This um, early 20s Filipino woman stood up. Um, she said, that's me. Um, and so me, and because she was a female, I, I, I took another lady with me and we went to the back of the sanctuary to pray with her. Um, as soon as we got to the back, um, the lady laid her hand on her throat and I just began to pray. And as soon as I pray, she went out. And there's, you, you've seen videos of people who fall out under the power of the Holy Spirit or, you know, funny videos where people are just passing out left and right all over each other. She just went out. But when she went out, her head cocked back and her tongue came out of her mouth and she started to growl. And when 
I, I had never faced anything like that personally outside of that um, moment in my dorm room. But um, I looked to the front and the senior pastor just kind of looked at me like, well, what are you going to do, bud? And I was like, <laughs> I was like, it was, it was really that oh shit moment. Yeah. It was really <laughs> left, like, you, left you to your oh. own devices, eh? It was like, I believe in this, but I don't know that I want to believe in this this much right now. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, and so... Yeah, we, we picked her up, and when I say she was growling, like she was growling and her body was as stiff as a board. Like I could have picked her up by her ankles and swung her like a bat. Um, she was completely – she wasn't a very big person, um, but we took her in the back in, in away from where she would be kind of a, a distraction to everybody else. And more people of the prayer team came out, and eventually a senior pastor came out, and he began to pray with her and speak with her and – under the power of God, she she was set free in that moment, and she was delivered and baptized in the Holy Spirit, and received you know speaking in tongues, and and was totally set free. And what had happened was there's there's two types of demonic um, interaction for believers. There's oppression and possession. Uh, possession would be what we understand as the exorcist, where the girl right. was possessed. Mm-hmm. Oppression is what this lady was under, where the 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 enemy was was so uh, attacking her. And what had happened was she was a first generation American from the Philippines, and somebody had contacted a witch doctor in their country and put a curse on her family. And when she was younger, she started to mess and read with occultic books. And so between the curse and before opening up the door, the, the, the door with the occultic books, it led to her dealing with this, uh, this spiritual attack that manifested itself in such a crazy way. Yeah. So those are just some examples ranging from firsthand to, you know, reading through other people's stories that have just really been crazy. And there's more. I mean, if people wanted to learn more about what the bride of Satan is, there's a woman on YouTube, Patricia King, she did an interview with a girl who was um, also a bride of Satan. Um, and really, that girl kind of goes in through a, different, uh, a few different um, parts about her experience and mm-hmm. what that was like um, being a bride of Satan. That's crazy. I got chills. Yeah, Whoa. man. It's, it's nuts, dude. And there's people, that, there's people that have stories that are like, far crazier than any of that stuff and some of the stuff that i've gone down like the rabbit hole like um there's literally been like there's supposedly there's some some deep caves in like the the midwest um where people are held and trafficked um for occult reasons there's man there's all like vampires yeah werewolves the, the book that I was telling you about, Dr. Rebecca Round, she talks about how in, in Hollywood, there's apparently a mansion there where they have a witch's Olympic every year. And literally, she talks about this girl who she was mentoring and helping out. Um, that was the, the bride of Satan. She talks about how she was so filled with demonic uh, spirits that she could walk. In, they had Olympic trials like, hey, you know, who could light a candle across the room? you know, the farthest. And she said that, you know, they even used to get into like, you know, what I would epitomize is like dance battles where this one younger witch 
kind of stepped to her at the Olympics. And she said, without even touching this girl, she threw her into a wall um, because of the demonic force. And it broke most of the bones in her body because she hit with such force. Um, So there's just, I mean, and she talks about how there are demons that are literally, um, that will literally change the appearance of somebody into a dog-like creature, a.k.a. werewolves. Mm-hmm. And they're literally, you know, uh, people that, you know, basically drink blood as a source of life and power. And so, man, there's so much stuff into this that it's just, it's nuts. But it's, it's there's there's a truth and a reality to it all, you know, and you, you got to take everything with a grain of salt. But you also have to understand that when you start seeing multiple sources talk about all of these things and you start to see different themes and different situations line up, you're like... Okay, there's there's truth there because we're hearing it from several different sources. Right. How did you how did you guys? I mean, just a side note. How did you guys figure out what the source of that woman's um, oppression, as you as you said, it was? Um, so once once we began to pray with her and and there was deliverance there. There's mm-hmm. also counseling because it's not like you can just look at somebody and be like, "Hey, listen, declare that Jesus Christ is Lord of your life. Repent of your sins." receive the Holy Spirit and you're good now there's there's got to be a recognition of getting to the truth or the yeah. root of the matter and so through discussion and counseling it was discovered that she had dealt with going through some occultic books in her childhood mm-hmm. and that somebody from her parents village had put a, a spell uh, a witch doctor somebody had paid them to put a spell on their thing some you know, in the beginning of our conversation, um, you guys had asked about like what some of the good things are. Um, and Jordan, there's there's some movies out there or some documentaries, I should say, not movies, documentaries called like The Finger of God and mm-hmm. some other things that are put out by, um, I think it's Wonderlust and um, his name is Darren. I forget his oh, last those name. Those are great. Those are great. They're, they're incredible. And one, sp- one particular they go and approach the witch doctor of the local village hmm. and the encounter there is just it's second to none so i would encourage anybody that wants to go down the rabbit hole of like finding out more about like the bride of satan and all that kind of stuff should definitely go watch the finger of god and some of those other movies from wonderlust that darren wilson darren wilson put out they they should go check those things out because they will speak a lot to the occult and the spiritual side of things, but also from a perspective of the authority that we have as believers in God and the power of God Mm -hmm. in those scenarios. Yeah. Okay. And I think it's, what you said earlier is very important that you can't, like, I feel like a lot of people stop short when they're trying to, to stop damage that's already been done. Like you can't, just go and someone's like hey say that you believe in jesus and you're cool like that definitely helps and that is the right path to start taking but because you were doing that the enemy's hold is going to try to grip you even tighter because it doesn't want you to get away so you actually might experience more attacks and more more occurrences of things because you're trying to get away from it and it's like no i don't want you to get away so that's why I mean, Jesus and God, they they can do anything they want to do, but it doesn't often happen as a as a one time thing. Mm-hmm. Got to bolster your defenses. Yeah, like you're, it, it doesn't want you to get away. It's like when you're in an, in a, a physical cult, 
and you're like, hey, I want to leave this group. And they're like, no, bud, you're here. Yeah. Like, you know, and they're going to start talking to you about why that's the wrong decision to make. Yeah. As soon as you don't have a choice. Mm -hmm. Well, and that's, and, and honestly, if I'm completely honest with you guys, that's a failure of the church these days. Mm -hmm. is the reality is that the church would rather keep a course a scorecard of how many people have been set free or how many people have been saved but not how many people they're currently discipling not right. how many people they're counseling not how many people they're actively working with to go through the um discipleship program so a lot of churches are really good at presenting the gospel and getting people saved or getting people hyped about christianity but they fall short not all of them, but a lot fall short in being able to help people along through their journey of faith and their deliverance because a lot of it is just, it's a lot of work and it's its tough because hurt people hurt people. Yeah. And as a pastor and as somebody who has been there, I can't tell you how many times the very knife in my back was put there by the person that I was trying to help get the knife out of theirs. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Okay. Well, I mean, we only uh, so we only have one more question as far as uh, of what we what we had going for you here. Um, would you consider voodoo or hoodoo? Yeah. What's hoodoo? So, PJ, have you heard of hoodoo? No, I just I just I, sounds like that's a verb, like a like a <laughs> lyric from Blue Bega, Mama <laughs> Number Six. Um. So. Hoodoo, from my very small understanding, is what we typically think of voodoo as. So all of the very, uh, quote, like, witchy side of things, like the dolls, the spells, the practices, and things like that, mm -hmm. typically are more actual hoodoo. And then voodoo is, uh, let's say, a branch of that. But the question is, do you think practices that happen in something like uh, voodoo, which is considered a religion, um, do fall in the category like the occult. Which I think we uh, honestly probably touched on early. That, I would, yeah. yeah. I, would, I would say that, going back to what I said earlier, if you believe in voodoo, you're going to believe that that's what you believe and that's where you put your faith. If you're yeah. a Christian and a believer like I am, then you believe that's occultic because it's from a place of worshiping another source of power outside the true power source that we believe that God the Almighty is. Right. And I think in, choo in choosing that, it's uh, from our uneducated perspective, the um, something that is viewed as an established religion but has a lot of... Uh, I'll say spiritualistic practices that that are known, whereas other religions such as Buddhism, Hinduism, things like that, you just think of more of the lifestyle, not so much the practices, whereas like a voodoo, it's like everyone knows voodoo dolls and things like that. I was going to say, like PJ was saying earlier, I mean, there's like, it honestly just depends on, there's what you said, like Jeep, Jeep collectors or something like that. I right. mean, it, it kind of just depends on, yeah. you get enough people thinking the same way or believing the same thing passionately enough. Yeah. No so, cults. No cults for me. No, no cults for you. <laughs> no cults for me. Are you sure? You oh, I'm good. You don't want some Kool-Aid? No, I only know um, <laughs> I only know two people. Well, I know a couple. Uh, they grew up in a cult together and actually got married, but they got out of the cult together too. Mm -hmm. um, they, they're doing very well now. They've got, they've got a daughter about a year and a half old now. Mm -hmm. 
and they got themselves out of it. But it's but it's really interesting to hear some of their uh, their side of stuff too. I don't believe it. What they grew up with. And you know what's crazy is in a lot of those situations, from what I understand, um, not firsthand experience, but from what I understand is a lot of those people have a really hard time going back to any type of religion. Yeah. Um, and so when you think about, if you think about it in the context of Christianity, where anything that is the worship of anything other than God is an occult, when people get in there and they get burned so bad, they don't even want to have anything to do with God. Mm-hmm. So when you look at the fallout of how an occult can take somebody so far left that even for them to course correct back to neutral, they won't go anywhere towards God because to them it is still reminiscent of what they came from. And again, that goes back to what I was sharing earlier about perspective is everything because mm-hmm. where your faith lies is where your perspective's processed. And so mm-hmm. when you have a perspective that says, man, I was in an organized religion. I don't want to have anything to do with it. Now it's an even more uphill battle to win that person uh, for the gospel and, and to present the gospel message to them that Jesus Christ absolutely loves and adores them. And that is so far from the truth and the reality of what God has for people. But for them, because they were so far in that, it's just, it's so hard for a lot of those people to even experience a church service because it's so reminiscent. And there's a lot of people, even in mainstream religions that we wouldn't even necessarily think about like Mormonism. That's, that's a cult that people really don't want to talk about as well because, um, it's you know historically it's kind of the bedrock of our our nation for a long long time Mm -hmm. and i think i think a large problem i have with a lot of occultist things um arises from labeling and honestly like even just as a christian like how how labels on things have changed to make them easier to swallow depending on the audience you're trying to present it to Mm -hmm. it's i think it's watered down Christianity a little bit. I think it's also in the same sense watered down some occultist things that so it makes it seem less dangerous than it could be. Everybody's trying to be relatable so they can rec- well recruits not the right word, but uh you know the more people you have joining your cause. Mhm the better for especially people I would I would assume higher higher ranks and and whatever because there's definitely ranks in either way well and if you don't think there's anything wrong with it it's a lot easier to be on board definitely so when especially if that's coming from the top down right right well and one of the things too that I'm I'm a staunch believer uh, about the, the 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 enemy is um I think Satan is a, a fantastic marketer um when you look at who Satan was in the Bible, he is he is the the head of music. Uh, when you when you look at the reality that Satan got a third of the angels to go with him, he obviously knew how to frame it in such a way that it got the attention of one third of the angelic population mm-hmm. to go with him, so that when they were kicked out of heaven, a third went with them. So I look at it, and the the, the Bible is very clear that the that Satan is the enemy of, or excuse me, he's the author, the father of lies, and so confusion is really up his, you know, it's his ace in the hole. So when you can take verbiage and kind of twist it around and create versions of truth that are lie but sound convincing enough, like they're the truth, 
you can breed confusion and people don't mm-hmm. end up knowing what they believe. So they don't know when to stand their ground and when to kind of just go, mm, yeah, that's that's the truth or no, that's not the truth. Yeah, um, It becomes a giant gray area and people are led astray in a chaotic and confusing way because, you know, a lie is just the truth confused. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, that's all the questions I have. Jordan, do you have any more for... Josh, I think we got. I think we got through the ones that we had prepared. Um, it's hard not knowing your background as well. Like, I mean, we got we got a little bit of, to touch on at least your experiences and in, uh, in relation to the occult. But um, I mean, so you said it started for you around around college, like your interest in it. Yeah, um, you know, in in college, I felt like I was probably a little bit more full of piss and vinegar. Um, I was definitely a little bit more rebellious than as I teenagers was can in, be. In, yeah. And what happened was like, I, you know, around the age of 17, I totally, you know, walked away from God. I knew at the age of eight that I was called to ministry, but at the age of 17, my parents divorced. And like I said, both my parents were pastors. And that was something like, you know, my parents would say all the time, you don't get divorced. You don't get divorced. Mm. And then they end up getting divorced and it rocked me to my core. So I stepped away from the gospel. I stepped away from my calling. I stepped away from God. And so, um, you know, I was, I was always kind of like push the boundaries, rebellious type of person. And so when God got a hold of me again in college and I, you know, I pivoted and was, was going back to Bible college to be a pastor, um, I took that same kind of fire into man, like, I remember there was nights where I would pray that Satan would show up in my dorm room so I could fist fight him. (laughs) Like, and and, you know, as I, you know, I'm 40 years old now and I realized that the battle's not mine to win. It's God's, but that's the frame of reference I was then. So for me, it was like, let's learn what we can about the occult. Let's learn about the practices. Let's learn about what my Bible college won't teach me about the occult Mm -hmm. let's learn about these things that are truly happening let's learn about the fact that there's you know the church of satan was started in san francisco which is 45 minutes away from where i grew up let's let's learn about who anton Lavey is and and uh, you know what's going on here in santa cruz and, and how that spreads out let's figure out where this is because i i came you know, I think they call it FOMO now, the fear <laughs> yeah. of missing out. Yep. <laughs> and the reality is I didn't want to miss out on the reality. I didn't want to be a pastor or a leader who led from a place of ignorance, yeah. but a place of at least knowing, you know, and I had mentors who would talk to me about doing demonic deliverances with people and they had some crazy stories and I've never had any kind of crazy stories like they had. I've had a few run-ins, but nothing like what they were telling me about. And so I wanted to be a leader that knew what there was and knew how to speak to it and knew how to bring deliverance for people. Mm -hmm. Um, But, you know, that also came from a place of just like, you know, let's set the world on fire and let's go nuts and let's, let's do it all. And so there's still that fire that burns within me, but I think there's a mitigation of understanding uh, and maturity and wisdom that comes with experience and age. It's tempered. (laughs) Yeah, with that and getting married and having four kids, that'll do that to you. Yeah, you know, you know. You gotta, you gotta slow it down a little bit. <laughs> so, how are the services going now? What are you, uh, what are you doing with with Kobe going on and everything? I mean, I know you guys have your virtual thing going on. Yeah. Uh, so we we originally we were lead. I was a lead pastor in um, in Oklahoma, and um, 
you know, we we felt after the first couple months we were there that we were there for a short-term assignment. And we had always dreamed about being in Austin because we felt like it's California and Texas. Like, we we love the creativity. We love the, the artsy, tech, foodie scene and music scene in California. I'm like a huge huge west coast hip-hop head yeah like that's that's just i mean literally we're eating sushi and we're listening to notorious big <laughs> while i'm making sushi rolls my two-year-old's pounding you know poke so like it's one of those things where we have a lot of love for california but the way things have gone and the direction that the state is going we're just so glad we don't live there anymore but austin to us has that artsy scene has that little bit more liberal swing to it not mm-hmm. that i'd say that we're liberal but we believe that all people should be loved for who they are and where they're at regardless of what they believe and how it differs from what you believe mm-hmm. so we came out here originally to plant a church and then covid happened literally like three or four months after we got here and so mm-hmm. i think a lot of this last year has been seeking the Lord on what's next. I know that we started meeting with, um, you know, about half a dozen people, uh, through, uh, Google meet every, every Sunday for a couple hours. And, um, just talking about the things of God going through some scripture, just talking about life and not any like real kind of service, if you will. But, um, mm-hmm. I think the Lord's really kind of been leading me to, to start potentially start a podcast, um, called the outcast tapes and just kind of, preaching and speaking from a place of authenticity and feeling mm-hmm. like an outcast in the church that I grew up in, not specifically the church that I went to, but just the church culture. Right. And even, even now as a minister being, um, somebody that doesn't fit the mold of what a lot of people want or look at or see. Um, so yeah, so we're definitely in developmental because I believe that COVID really shined a light on how tragic the church has become the 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 west church the the american church because i believe that in acts chapter two one of the big narratives there is uh, to take care of the widows and the orphans and i mm-hmm. think the church in a lot of instances there's a lot of churches doing a great job of that there's a lot of churches that are really just focused on doing a sunday morning service mm-hmm. and creating an experience for people on sunday rather than holding people accountable and discipling people through what it means to be a believer and what it means to support your community. So rather than having a building fund, we have a missions fund. And so we're just kind of reevaluating how that looks and what we do. So like my wife and I, we don't go to a church, um, but we tithe every week. I get paid weekly. So we tithe every week and we tithe to uh, a missions program, which is a convoy of hope. And we tithe to we give half of our tithe there and we give half of our tithe to uh the rescue uh uh the rescue house which is a i think it's the biggest um organization that rescues and rehabilitates girls that have been rescued from sex trafficking here in austin and so we're really big on utilizing our tithe Mm -hmm. that the church would say hey that needs to go into paying the light bill and needs to go into like you know building a, a uh you know a building and using it to help support um, uh, organizations that are reaching out to things that we think are really heavy on our hearts. So mm-hmm. we're um, we're having great conversations on Sunday mornings, and we're we're trusting the Lord for what's next, and kind of uh, playing with the idea of starting a, a podcast, man. Yeah, that's awesome. Reaching as many people as we can. That's right. Well, let us know. We'll definitely help support it. I was going to say, I'm sure Ryan will be able to help you out with some of that. <laughs> Any questions you have? He's he's inspired it, man. You you both have inspired it. The the 
the creepy campfire has been my 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 bridge into podcast waters. Well, good. I'm glad we could be that. Yeah. Well, I think that's all we've got for you. Is there anything you want to say before we we get into the housekeeping bit? I, I would just say that people need to really be careful um, going down these rabbit holes because you don't want to open up doors. A lot of the times that I've gone through and looked at that stuff, I found myself praying a lot um, just to protect myself from from opening up any doors. But um, also take the good with the bad. Go through and discover what the power of God can do, what the Word of God says. Just reach out to a local pastor or spiritual leader that you might know of. And uh, just be careful going down the rabbit hole because I know sometimes curiosity can kill the cat. Yeah. Yeah. And, and you know, honestly, like I want to... I really want to reiterate that it's so important because even us doing this podcast and talking about this stuff, like our audio just stopped out of nowhere. Our computer is sitting across the room from us, so we couldn't have accidentally bumped it. Just shut off. Could that have been a technical error? Yeah, for sure. It could have been a glitch. (laughs) Could it have been the enemy messing with us so the message didn't come out? It's absolutely possible. So, like, even us trying to do trying to have a conversation could potentially be interfered with. Just don't open yourself up to that negativity. So be careful. Yeah, yeah. be careful. Yeah. Well, this has been great. I've had a great time. For sure. Yeah, it's been great to talk to you. PJ, PJ you can come on anytime you want to. If you're just like, hey, I got a free Thursday. Let's do this. You're welcome. I would, lo- I would love to. Anytime you guys want me on, I'll make the time, dude. I, I love hanging out with you guys. For Thank sure. you. Thank you. We like it too. So if you guys want to reach out... Reach out at the email, creepycampfirepodcast at gmail.com. Yeah, you can hit me up on Instagram, creepycampfirepodcast there. Yep, and Jordan, why don't you go ahead and pull the voicemail up, because I can never remember the number of it. No, that's okay. So you can leave, uh, right now it's a three-minute three, limit, uh, three minute limit, uh, limitation, unfortunately, but you can call us at 916-359-9446. Mm-hmm. Leave us a voicemail, any infor- information you want to you wanna get to us, and we can uh, we can get back to you. And if it cuts you off at that three-minute mark, just call back. Keep leaving messages because if you've got a story, we want to hear about it. Yeah. But that does it for this one. Last recorded episode of the year. The year. Don't know if it'll make it before the new year, but we're going to try. That's okay. We're going to try. We're rounding it up. So until next time, everybody, stay stay toasty. I would just like to pray with you guys because I feel like the the topic that we covered tonight is, is pretty pretty stout and i i feel like for you guys and i feel like for your listeners that there's probably a a tinge where the enemy could twist or confuse or or bring things that would cause people to be in a place so if you guys are okay with it i'd like to pray with you guys before i i let you go for the evening so father i just i thank you for um god ryan and jordan's hearts god i thank you for this time that we've had here tonight god i thank you for the discussion Lord, I pray that um, you would both protect both of them, God, as they continue to pursue their passion with Creepy Campfire. God, I pray that you would bless them in every endeavor that they do. I pray that you protect their hearts, their minds, and their spirits. God, after the conversations that we've had tonight, I just pray that you put a hedge of protection around them. God, as well as anybody that is going to hear this this conversation tonight, um, I pray that, God, anybody that hears uh, uh, even just a second of it, that God, you would protect their hearts and their minds, that you give them open ears and that Holy Spirit, you would speak to them um, and that God, you would protect them from div- uh, 
just divulging or, or, or going down the rabbit hole in such a way that could bring harm or confusion or be detrimental for them, God. I pray that you protect them. And God, I thank you for this opportunity. And I just pray in the name of Jesus that you would just continue to bless these guys and everything that they do. Thank you for this time. And thank you for, God, the fact that, Lord, you have won. You are King of kings and Lord of lords, that you beat Satan's ass, that we've got nothing to worry about. And that, God, you are, you are protecting and you are a hedge of protection around us. So, Lord, we just rejoice in that and we thank you for it. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. <laughs>